0: Hello and welcome to episode four of the Keep Dancing podcast. There's a long and storied history of people thinking that the success of a TV show is tied to one particular aspect, like the star, or the format, or the location. But as we found just this week with the news about the Bake Off, the success of a show generally requires the whole package. It's the difference between buying the Great British Bake Off and spending £25 on the concept of putting some ovens in a tent. Today, I'm talking to Ewan Spence about Strictly as the last big in-house BBC entertainment format. We'll talk about what makes the show we love the show that it is. Good evening, Ewan.
1: Good evening, Ellie. So, you're a fan of Strictly. I'm I'm late to Strictly, it has to be said. Uh my family have been following Strictly far more than me, and I would say that only the last three or four years I really picked up on it. But my daughters especially have been voting on it since since before we got them smartphones. Uh so the sort of early sort of first, you know, nine nine or ten sort of series are sort of just sort of by osmosis and a little bit of reading back. Uh, and so last three in this one, obviously, now fully engaged. Uh, so it's, I'll probably be one of those people that, you know, how strictly viewing numbers keep going up and up and up and up. I'm one of those, aha, gotcha sort of viewers
0: yeah I think that's basically how watching Strictly's worked in our family as well so it started off basically with me and my sisters and my mum being well into it and dad sort of occasionally you know sticking his head round the door going oh you're not watching this again but by the end of the series he you know had views on the performance of Tom Chambers
1: and things okay you see now most big strictly fans would go ah tom that season and you probably came in at this point i'm just gonna tom chambers i saw him once when we went to see it live in glasgow
0: but you because you're somebody who works in and around the media you tend to have a bit more of a view of strictly as the sort of infrastructure and format of a program and i thought we could talk about that this evening
1: yeah, indeed i mean one of the things about strictly is, as we you noted there in the opening is it is an in-house thing it's originated from a bbc property that was back in the 50s which is come dancing um, which was of course uh put together by eric morley who put together in world who was the evil dad in cliff richard and the young ones film the, the idea that you have this property that, were, that went through to the mid-80s with angelo ripon and, and terry wogan hosting and various others and then died uh, and then became retro, and then became post-retro, and then became the biggest thing in the UK um, that was under the control of the BBC. And then, you know, Strictly tries to come up the side and then Strictly sort of goes, oh yeah, right, <clears throat> uh, it's just us now. Uh, where where all our friends go? Um... QE, Mel, Sue um, they've gone and (laughs) too soon (laughs) wow well here's one for you what we need next year on Strictly of course is Mel and Sue are free so could we have them dancing against each other
0: that would be brilliant
1: and heartbreaking because you know at some point and it would be a complete complete coincidence they would put them both together in the dance off in about the week before Blackpool
0: (gasps) Oh, okay. So, how did you, you sort of alluded there to retro and post retro? But, how did the TV entertainment climate get round to the point where we could have a big shiny floor show, like, strictly back? on a saturday night
1: i think there's two things there the first one is that i don't think it's completely come around i think that strictly is this delightful package where if you look at it through the left eye it's very retro it's very old school it's very comforting but if you look it through your right eye then it is this sort of subversive pushing through fourth wall breaking wasn't the old sort of formats really silly and stupid and
0: and one of the most diverse shows and one of the most diverse shows on the bbc
1: yes i mean in fact if you you know even that sort of breakdown between you know retro and not retro you, you can see that all the way through strictly you know right from the top you have tess uh tess who is now taking on the love retro uh and claudia who's now taking on the fourth wall breaking little wink at the side it's you know it's a classic double act pairing if you go back through abbott and costello laurel and hardy cannon and ball markham and wise all the way down the line what you have is that classic end of the pair double act now the fact that it's two females that's actually quite unique and that's you sort of looking back with an hour way, going look you know we don't need to have two blokes hosting this we can do this far better than oh i don't know bruce forsyth and ronnie corbett for example (sighs) flashbacks and then you look at the judging panel and you have that mix of respecting the old and laughing at, laughing with the old and laughing at the new and respecting the new and you see that you know through the through the dancers we have new people coming in like aj who's come over from uh the other side and the talent shows on the other channel which back to franchising as well you have the old school that have just always been there and some people really 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 respect us. it has this lovely sort of yin and yang to it and the thing is most tv shows only have one of those and very few have yin and yang and when you get them put together you have Good Saturday night television. And Saturday night television has been around forever. You go back, Generation Game, had that yin and yang together.
0: We're talking about variety, aren't we?
1: Yes we are talking old school val parnell kids look him up on wikipedia we're we're talking lou grade we're talking that whole you know you know music hall just before the war just after the war the great big bills things like sunday night at the the london palladium the raw variety show you know to sense um, britain's got talent is the variety side of that and x factory is the music side of thing what we're talking about something that manages to have more than one level of engagement there's something for kids there's something for teenagers there's something for parents there's something for grandparents and everybody sees something very slightly different but all of them go i have a relationship with this program and that is an incredibly delicate balancing act the joy of Strictly is it gets all of those elements in balance it manages to appeal to all the age groups it manages to offer them something different. it offers them the cheesy comedy sketches you know the sort of 21st century laughing at and laughing with at the same time the competitive element the the old school dancing uh you know you know len is there to completely criticize that you're not doing the charleston correctly whereas at the same time you then have somebody like claudie who can just throw a wink to the camera you know in the the sort of way that Anne Robinson could never manage but kept on trying and if you can get all of those factors in balance you have a chance of having a breakout show and uh, there are other factors ar- around there as well but if, at the sort of show level Strictly has managed to appeal to everybody and part of that is design part of that is luck and part of that is evolution
0: Mhm, and it's one of the things that makes it a sort of a four-quadrant all-ages success is where it actually lives on Saturday night on BBC One in the, the sort of the very centrepiece of the schedules.
1: Indeed, and that, I think that's one of the key things as well about Strictly. Um, you know, it's got format, it's got talent, but that location of Saturday night the, and the ecosystem that the BBC can actually provide that as an over-the-top overall channels broadcaster. You get all of those things lining up. You take one of those away, it's it's a bit like a, a fire triangle where you've got uh, oxygen and heat and fuel. If you take one of those elements away, everything comes crashing down. If you take Strictly's format away, it, it falls to bits. If you take the talent away, it, it it falls to bits. If you move it to, even if you were to move it to BBC2, on a Saturday night at the same time, it would fall away. Let's do a uh, thought can... experiment. What? What? Oh, okay. What
0: does? Let's Let's move strictly across the channels and see what oh, changes. Well, okay. okay, so strictly on BBC Two, I think oh, I... you're also teaching the audience to dance at the same time, and um, there's a lot fewer laughs, but it has more ironic distance.
1: You see, I think that that's the sort of thing that you would put on sort of midweek sort of maybe about 9pm on BBC2 when
0: they put Um, the pottery throw down and the hair reality TV programme on
1: yes the ones by Love Productions that we're not talking about in this show because they're traitors yes yes terrible traitors Right those ones yes um it it becomes it becomes a midweek show it becomes much more interesting so something like lens lens for example that you have now which is sort of a little jokey bit that goes in the end that to me i think would probably replace the comedy vt You'd get the normal training of of the of the couple and then you have len coming in going these are the things we look for in let's say for example uh, a waltz we're looking for the feet to constantly go left right left right left right we're looking for open close close open close close open close 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 you'd have far more technicality of uh, being on show uh, and and you would bias then towards i think the older view you would bias towards the 35 40 age mark and upwards
0: yes and you'd also have the full might of the sort of match of the day style graphics being brought to bear seriously um you know the um that ian has his comedy drawing on the on the video Thing and yeah. it takes two. You'd get that as part of lens lens seriously. Yeah, you probably
1: have you probably have a foot tracker.
0: Yes, and you'd see sort of wireframes of the correct posture. Let's move yes. it to ITV. Uh, uh, to ITV, what does it look like on ITV? Well, it's got Ant and deck hosting, obviously. It's basically the same, but with <laughs> the full might of the uh, aforementioned dark arts applied I'll, to I'll, it. I'll,
1: I'll, partly that but partly it would also have a little bit more of a commercial feel i think that you'd you'd have far more chart songs you'd probably have a guest singer of the week you know dave arch's lovely lovely band would be would be much much more commercial feeling i think you i don't think lead.
0: that. i don't think i don't think there'd be a live band
1: no what you would have is you'd have a different band in every week so this week for example uh we are going to have the wanted uh, as our house band uh, their album's going to be out on tuesday and Dick holds up the album cover as, as you do on all good chat shows, um, and there would just be that sort of air of, of you know, we're trying to sell you something during the show as well, but you can never quite work it out. I also think you'd lose Len. Yeah, um, I, think you'd end up, I think you'd end up with Craig uh, taking on the role of head judge, which he might do next year, but it would be so pantomime villain. Um, and we would probably have Alicia Dixon back instead of... Uh, and Alicia Dixon would never have left. She would still be there. We wouldn't have Dar- Darcy. OK, it's
0: the theme of the week. Let's move it to Channel 4. What changes? All right, then. Channel
1: 4. <sighs> Terry Christian hosts. Um, for And it would just be this so smug and knowing and completely post-retro. There wouldn't be any sort of comforting feeling to the show there wouldn't be a a welcoming dancing has a long history it would just be way wacky dancers way hey great costumes way hey um (laughs) this week we're going to get to do break dancing isn't that great there would just be a sort of brash arrogance of youth it would would be be all
0: it would be all ironic distance and none of the uh that sort of emotional rush you get when you see somebody
1: master themselves, basically. Indeed. It would be all be it would all be Giovanni talking back, it would all be Anton doing comedy faces, you know, it would all be Kevin just, you know, surrounded by girls all the time like George Lazenby and Live and Let Die. And shirts would be forbidden. Oh no, shirts would be allowed, buttons would be forbidden.
0: Ah. Okay, so we've done basically a a horrible thought experiment, and we've established that the Strictly we love
1: Channel Five.
0: Um, Okay, so we've established that Strictly's location within the TV schedules is one of the things that makes it uh what it is but what about strictly as part of the wider let's call it celebrity ecosystem of the bbc's own other media units and the wider uh, media and celebrity world
1: well this is actually really interesting and i'm probably going to stay with channel four here to almost prove by by disproving here if you have a channel for celebrity show um uh, l- let's say that they're, they're trying to master some sort of skill. Let's say that they're, I don't know, trying to learn how to bake a cake um, and you bring in celebrities. That um, sounds really original. You ought to uh, form a production company and try and sell that around. Well, in this theoretical show, when you go to the agents um, of the stars that you want to get in, uh, let's say that you want to get in Mel Giedroy, uh, for example, the, the, one of the questions would be, well, where else can you put her? What else can we do? She's obviously going to get her profile Raised up by being on the show, but can you put her anywhere else? And really, all Channel Four has to offer there is Alan Carr's Chatty Man
0: hmm. um, Celebrity and
1: Celebrity you know, Juice. But, uh, uh, no,
0: Mel has her dignity.
1: Yes, yes, she'll go as far as Alan, but 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 no further. Uh, you have somebody come up, and to a certain extent, you have that with ITV as well. But you have things like This Morning. You have Loose Women. You have a couple more shows. Come to the BBC. And it's a completely different matter because you've got all of the TV on BBC one and BBC two. So you've got your one shows, you've got your chat shows, you've got your pop-up appearances on other Saturday night TV shows. You've got that sort of blanket coverage that you can have through. You've got radio one, radio two, radio four as well. If you're Katie Durham, you get radio three as well, but that's all her own. And there's a good reason that she made it through to the final, when the proms were on. And you then have the bbc news the websites the social media the overreach bbc3 is an online channel there are so many different places that you can put your representee as an agent where you can go right well i want strictly uh, and she's going to make at least two other appearances as well one on radio and one outside of there uh, now bbc wants to do that because obviously they want to promote they want to promote the people who are going to be on Strictly and give them more visibility. And that means that someone who's trying to, for example, restart their career, Leslie Joseph is a good example this year. She knows that she's, going, she's got a good chance now of of popping up on the shows like the one show. Um, she's probably going to at some point appear on, on Radio 2, probably with Steve Wright, well, maybe so much Chris Evans. Chris Evans is probably going to lean towards something like Laurel Whitmore or Louise Redknapp or uh, possibly even Will Young. Although that feels a bit more Jeremy Vine, to be honest. So the agents can know that they've got a chance to raise profile not just by Strictly, but by other shows as well. And because of the size of Strictly, because you're out there, you have at the end of it, you know that you have a good chance of like, for example, when Leslie Joseph leaves before the final show, which I think is going to happen don't want to spoil it for anybody you've not got joseph in the final. i haven't no
0: oh
1: no sorry about that um unless rob knows differently but by the time she's finished the show she's in a far better position to so for example if she was decided to go to go and do loose women she's in a far better position to command a higher fee she has a raised profile so for the celebrities. The fact that it is on BBC One and the BBC One give it so much coverage that it's not just those two hours on Saturday night and five minutes of a repeat on Sunday. It is a 24 7 experience. It gives them far more power, which means that although you earn money from Strictly, it acts as a career multiplier.
0: Yes, and as well as the multiplying effect of just appearing across so many BBC properties during the show, you that generates a sort of a base level of fame that makes you automatically interesting for the wider sort of celebrity magazine and, uh celebrity news economy
1: and exactly. so and we we've heard that with the classic will they won't they oh they've fallen in love oh they've broken up uh, from 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 the younger dancers can't think who i'm thinking about there um you know louise louise and jamie redknapp you know that there's going to be a hello magazine spread at some point
0: oh yeah she'll be showing off her new strictly figure um uh, some giggles about the strictly diet yeah the um they'll be talking some giggles about fake tan uh they'll be seeing if jamie fancies doing it next year and you know it just rolls on and on and on and basically you know we start the strictly rumors start in what april may Yep.
1: So, I mean, it keeps that entire industry of the magazines going. And with the best of the world, we know Channel 4 used to manage it with the Big Brother. B- but, you know, you don't see Channel 5 hit much more than the Daily Star just now, to be honest. Uh, so you just don't have as much of a multiplier if you were to take it outside of the BBC. And that ecosystem has been built up over time. If we go back to the, fir- the first couple of shows, you know, you would be hard pushed um, to to see Jill Halfpenny going into all of those areas, that you see somebody like Caroline Flack going through or Abby Clancy going through. Because as well as the programme evolving and the the viewers evolving, at the same time, the mainstream media has realised people are wanting to find out more about these stars. These, These names are being put into Google, Facebook, hurdle pile, and Twitter we need to be found so the papers go it's an easy hit if we can if we've got a picture of, of, of Giovanni uh, sitting outside of the, of the room in tears uh, and Laurel Whitmore you know at the window with her back to him it's just like bang right that's it that's 100,000 views without a shot you would not have got that 10 years ago
0: yeah I mean I fall for it myself I can't help like, I couldn't help clicking on sort of Jay and Aliona speculation articles at the end of last series even though I knew that she was married, and I knew that, you know, it's all just showbiz shenanigans. I couldn't stop clicking on those articles and giving the people the page views that they so desperately desire.
1: Indeed.
0: Let's move on to the second element of Strictly as a show, the talent. And we're going to concentrate on maybe just the judges and presenters because
1: we have dished so much because on the just cast. Because we talked about the celebrities yeah. already. <laughs> I mean, it's a vital part, but it's it's a sort of... It's, it's you know it's it's just the, the thing that changes every year there's always a little bit of fuel going in there's always new new members of celebrities but those judges are the anchors along with our hosts as well so i think we should we'd count them in there as well and, and again it's it's that fact of retro and and not retro you've got judges that that fit archetypes you know you have the i remember when there was a war and when britain was great and yes i voted out uh allegedly uh, in len goodman that sort of old-time feeling um and that there is just so classic retro and then you have craig who sort of kind of like looks down on all of that and you get the feeling he's the most modern one and just wants to drag it kicking and screaming into the 21st century he just wants to modernize he's just like change everything and rip it up you you've got bruno who's that classic angsty teenager who knows everything and it's over the top and can't wait to express his emotions uh, and then you've got the long-suffering mum um in well in, in phillips dixon or darcy depending on what era you take it it's like it's like your favorite doctor who really you look at those three and you're straight off the back. you've got william hartnell patrick troughton and john Pertwee, and your female judges That's um,
0: an astonishing addendum addendum to your unified theory of strictly judges. Uh, I'd never thought about it like that. Come Uh, on,
1: Darcy is so aren't we?
0: Yeah, she's nearly even
1: got the hair. Yeah, she's got the hair, she's got that upright pose, she's got that sort of condescending, I know what I'm doing here, I know I've been away, and I know I'm not part of the unit here, boys. Uh, You see what I did there? Uh, But I know what I'm doing. You know, and then and, you know, you had you had Alicia it he's playful, he sort of flirted around the edges knew exactly what was going on. It could be very, very manipulative, but you never saw her actually do anything. Patrick Trouton all the way. And then you had old wizards, has seen it all, is bringing it to bear in Arlene Phillips.
0: Let's talk about why we think that the female judges were regenerated.
1: Because they're female. Well, yes, um, because you know men can do whatever they want for however long they want, but you know obviously we're going to get tired of watching a girl tell you how to do something which I think is ludicrous um, Arlene Phillips for to take an example, has been dancing and teaching dancing, and choreographing for decades. I mean she's going back to things like pants people and hot legs and doing all of that. the amount of experience there was huge uh, and this was a period when there was a feeling that the BBC just wanted to skew younger in what it showed on screen
0: yes I mean I'm I'm sure everybody will stay yeah well I mean ageing appears to only occur to one of the genders
1: certainly if you're the casting director yeah
0: yeah so we lost Arlene in potentially a purge and then she was replaced by younger more excitable former champion Alicia Dixon And I think that Alicia's period on the judging panel was characterised by basically just constant attacks on her position, coming from reasonable and also deeply unreasonable angles of attack.
1: It's like somebody going into a club uh, and suddenly being dropped in. Um, You know, if you were to take the masculine view, it's like the military. You know, you don't get to judge until you've been in combat yourself. And I don't think that... For all that she'd done in the entertainment side of things, I don't think that the male judges, and this is just before I really started to get into Strictly, so part of this is just going back to YouTubes and reading, but I never got the feeling, looking back, that those male judges believed that Dixon had earned her stripes. There was always a little bit of look
0: darling you're not here to just be enthusiastic about everybody trying you're supposed to judge um but I feel like Alicia was basically put on the judging judging panel to be a sort of a surrogate audience voice and there is a question as to whether a surrogate audience voice is actually required in a show that does have a split jury and audience vote
1: to begin with yeah, you, you already have uh, the input. But th- this is part of the evolution of the show. And if you look at what was happening on The X Factor uh, at this time, you know, they were bringing in young judges. They had um, G- Cheryl Vasquez, v- v- Vindery Cole. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not fat up on popular culture. Uh, you, you had um, the younger one coming on. Uh, Amanda did the hairdressing thing um, going on Britain's Got Talent. There was a feeling that you needed you needed to have you needed to have the equivalent of a bond girl on the panel um because the only way that you're going to grow this audience is if you're making completely family and it's almost that base instinct of well we need to put something there for the dads that Um, is such
0: a 70s attitude it's quite creepy as well
1: yeah and and i hope i'm wrong and then people can just point at me and go you're just projecting your 70s attitude onto that in in which case i'll say you know what if i have it's a fair cop but dixon had dixon was the first replacement to move into there um, which is always going to be difficult she didn't come from a huge dance background she didn't come from a huge competitive background and you know everything looks lovely and fluffy but in any show in any production there's always a case of, I need somebody to be worse than me so my job is safe. You know, the professional dancers, I need to not go out in the first week. I want my job at Strictly to be safe. I need to have a better dance partner than somebody else. Presenters, I need to have a good show. I need to have a good host because I don't want my my job going. Even those on the production side, this year's show's got to be better than last year's show. This year's show's got to be funnier than last year's show because... I don't want to lose my job, so I need to be better than what I'm being measured against. And the joke in Formula One is you, you, you're only, you know, the only person you can be judged against is your teammate. If you're a judge, the only person you can be judged against are the other three judges.
0: But as well as people uh, sort of wondering about the position of Alicia on the judges panel for her lack of competitive Latin and ballroom experience, at the sort of the sharp end of it, there was also a significant amount of just totally unreasonable attacks on her posi- p- position, which were uh, that sort of horrible combination of uh sort of british endemic racism and class problems and i think that the the combination of those things was why we eventually had alicia replaced by darcy
1: oh was alicia replaced or was alicia smart enough to go somewhere else with the contract before she was pushed
0: oh i don't remember the exact sequence of events
1: but, and the chances are there's probably a public sequence of events and a private sequence of events as well. <laughs> but whatever happened, Alicia landed in a better place, I think.
0: Yes. Um, and they definitely didn't replace Alicia with um, somebody with the same sort of personality and background as Alicia. They replaced her with Darcy Bustle.
1: A very middle-class safe English home counties judge.
0: Who also doesn't have any competitive Latin and ballroom experience, but is, you know, one of our most famous classical ballet names.
1: Yes, and this is this is where you have somebody coming in from the inside, from the outside, into this inner group of circle. But I think, t- to go back to that sort of military angle, this is somebody coming in who has been in battle, just not with us. So... We don't know how good she is, but everybody else says she's okay. So we'll give her some time and see what happens. And I, you know, ballet is ultra competitive in in, just in terms of casting and in terms of show. And I think that she probably had a very strong spine. and laid down the law really quickly, possibly in dress rehearsals so we never saw. And I, I, I could I could see those first weeks or two of she would have incredibly sharp teeth until the camera came on. And just with just enough to let everybody know it's just like, uh-uh, been there, done that, remember the end of Showgirls, see those steps. <laughs> Len. Uh- but should,
0: shall we have just a quick chat about Strictly's class um, aspect as we're talking about yes, Darcy? because... It's the, fascinating.
1: Because we we kind of stumbled over this when we were just sort of blue sky thinking what we could talk about this. And there are so many theories on what makes the perfect Strictly winner. It's it's like a good Victoria sponge. You can do ingredients in various combinations. Some Some of them work brilliantly, but there's no one rule. But the amount of winners who are upper working class to middle class done good is amazingly high.
0: It is compelling that you need to be nicely brought up, but still have enough of an accent for, um, basically to, to capture ABC ones and c 2 DEs.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you need to go, it's, it's... It's like that sketch from That Was The Week That Was. Whereas I'm upper class, middle class, and lower class. Uh, and it's just Ronnie Barker going, I'm middle class. I look up to him, so I know my place, but I look down on him because I've improved myself. And strictly, it's about a journey. You know, we haven't had a journey winner for a long time, but it's all about improving yourself and making yourself better. And that fact, that if you can see somebody, you know, is going, I've made myself a different class, to where I was when I was born uh, in terms of socioeconomics. You know, that ties in with the I've learned to dance as well. I've learned something new. Look at me. I'm working hard. I've made my life better. You can too.
0: But the actual, um, but somebody who is sort of actually authentically from a working class background and still signals working class doesn't tend to do as well as like you know was nicely brought up with all the advantage of uh, and advantages of going to stage school but retained a regional accent
1: yeah any anybody who's who's managed to go to the west end and appear on wicked but at the same time still likes james bond films and you know you can see him being a bit of a spy uh they've got a wonderful advantage which means if you really want a dark horse in this one danny Mac this year oh.
0: so we've talked about the show's location within the ecosystem and the show's talent but let's talk about that most tenuous of things the show's format what do you even mean by a show's
1: format a show's format is actually really tightly defined but it's also very loosely defined so for example strictly come dancing you can't simply say celebrity dances with professional dancer they are scored because that's really hard to define it's almost like defining a patent you've got to be really word perfect but you can't define it too tightly because then anybody can steal it so if you'd never say well it's test daily and claudia i want to say claudia schiffer and that would be such an interesting combination but it's not it's claudia winkleman uh hosting this show that happens here on a saturday night so there's that sort of definition of all the elements they put together that well to go another way if you were to create your own dancing show and you and you wanted to do it from scratch or you wanted to buy in a format if you buy in a format you essentially buy the sort of cookie cutter element. So You have a panel of four people. The judges are kind of made up like this. You have these sort of dancers. You have these sort of celebrities. You have this sort of host. They have this sort of attitude. That sort of things that that take time to learn over four or five years, such as the first four or five series of of Strictly Come Dancing, what you get when you've learned all that, the things that this is what we do at this point here, that's format. So, for example, if you just say, i don't know let's take an example out there if you say there's a baking show and one person gets eliminated every week that's not really a format because that could describe great british bake-off it could describe master chef um it could arguably describe come down with me because there are contestants there and they get voted on and years, you could knock them off so it needs to be something a little bit tighter so for example to, to to go back with the I don't know, they are our mythical baking show. To say that you have a male and a female judge and, and two presenters that they're, they're quite innuendous around each other, and you lose one person each week, and there are three rounds, and one one of them is to educate, and one of them is to entertain, and one of them is to inform, but give them different names. That's bake-off format. But just put some people in a tent with some ovens, lose a cook lose a, lose a cook every week. That's not really format, but You'd have to be willing to go to court and put up a lot of money to argue that. So a lot of format is sort of a gentleman's agreement between production companies. And it's very rare that you will actually slam into sort of legal issues. Um, But if you do want to look at that sort of, Masterchef and Bake Off is actually quite an interesting example to look through. Oh, I shall have to have a look at that. So when you have the Strictly format, which is owned by the BBC, uh, it now goes to i think it goes to bbc worldwide um so just
0: just reassure me that because it's owned by the bbc there's not really a risk of us actually losing strictly to another no, channel because
1: so so it's a great british bake-off uh, the format was defined by um love prod <laughs> I love that abbreviation um of course they call themselves love west in in terms of that but strictly's format is an evolution of formats from Come Dancing, which actually came from Eric Morley in the 50s. And in the 50s, you didn't have independent production companies. You had the BBC. And that was pretty much it. Um, You you had ITV kind of popping up in various channels, so you had had Tiny Tees and you had London Weekend Television all of that. Uh, But in the sense and strictly, it comes from Come Dancing. It is a property and it is a format and it is an IP owned by the BBC. So uh so the bbc again is this big formative thing it's actually pretty sure it's bbc worldwide
0: so the bbc makes strict buys strictly from the bbc whereas it used to buy a series of bake-off from love productions
1: yes although it does have some of the commercial rights Uh, So BBC will still learn from international versions of The Bake Off till 2028 as part of the initial production deal. Uh, But in terms of being able to actually produce it in the UK and sell it to Channel, those rights do not belong to any part of the BBC. They belong to Love Prod, and Love Prod can do what they like with it.
0: Okay.
1: So in terms of the big question of will we ever see Strictly on Channel 5, as we've demonstrated earlier, no. It's simply unimaginable unless bbc made it to go on channel five the circumstances
0: that would lead to that i i can't even imagine even after the kind of year that we've had i can't imagine what would Harry hills
1: tv but was filmed in the bbc oh (laughs) but aired on itv let that blow your mind for a second
0: well, I guess they are those. Those famous BBC studios are now just yeah. basically workrooms that can be hired by a production company.
1: Yeah, and, and TV Burp itself was actually format brought in from America, um, which probably not called TV Burp. No, no, it's um, oh, there is an American show that's just that is, that is like it has a different name. But no, it wasn't called TV Burp. So, but the format has actually come in as well.
0: We risk the topic of what an, what exactly Strictly's TV format is getting away from us. I feel like Strictly wouldn't be Strictly without the sort of the plush red and gold feel that comes, I think, from the sort of British folk memory of going to see variety shows. That's yes. a big part of it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, you, you call back and... There was a period where British entertainment ruled the world. Um, You had the dance halls post-war. You had a very strict definition of what you did. You know, you would always open up with a comedy act. There would then be a sort of dancer-juggler-gymnast. You'd then have a second comic. You'd then have a singing number. You'd then have a bit of weird stuff. And then you'd have a big singer to close off Act One. You'd have a break in the theatre. You'd come back. You'd do the same thing again in Act Two. But the people who are on the second half were were more had more status they got paid more they were higher up the bill poster outside right uh, so where you sunk in a variety billing, incredibly important to pre- determine your status uh, and you know when they came around to start doing television in the 50s and people were looking for formats um there's that word again looking for things to do much of British theatre simply moved over to the BBC. You know, the first 10 or 15 years of television drama was essentially a camera in a theatre. Now, that theatre was actually TV studio, but everybody stood at one-third angle. You were still projecting out... To the audience, which is the camera to the screen, you essentially did live theatre as you were going along. Some of them was pre-recorded and played back later, but it was all done like that. Your variety shows, we've already mentioned Sunday Night at the London Palladium, um, and you would go back and you would just have all these theatre impresarios going, well, look, I've got these comics, these singers, these jugglers, why not put them on the TV in exactly the same sort of billing format as you had in variety and if if people want to look up anybody I think I've already said the name Val Parnell but have a look up at Val Parnell also Lou Grade as well is probably the the best example Lou Grade of course moving on to television as well at, at the later stage so there is especially in the BBC there is a cultural memory of what you do for a variety show and that is strictly strictly looks like it's in the theater it's got that that song to open with your big dance number you've then got a little bit of comedy coming through you've then got if you look at how they structure the songs um the performances you've got your vt you've got they come out you do your big song you've got your singer for, with with dave and his, his lot in the background uh, and then you take them upstairs for a little chat with a little bit of fun you then have quite a serious bit with the judge and some backbinding and such like and then you repeat again for however many contestants you have left and if you wanted to listen to rob's show last week the people who need more status will be later on in the running order and that's classic variety hall that's classic british theater it's seen time and time again Uh, and you know this is why i say strictly has that very retro feel because you could take what we've got here Show it to the impresarios in the fifties,
0: and they, they would, would look understand. And
1: go, I know exactly what you're doing here. The only difference is they would do it in a viewing room with lots of cigar smoke,
0: and you wouldn't have to rhinestone the dresses quite so
1: much because um, because because it's still rationed. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but then this is where the non-retro element comes in, and this is the interesting bit. That you know, even if you have the format of Strictly, even if you follow all those cookie cutters, you still need all of the sparks that go through. You need to have the people that can do that big opening dance number with your professional dancers and your choreographers. You need your classic double act holding it all together as a, as, as a mix of the comedy interludes and the MC, which we have now with Tess and Claudia. You, you need to have the comedic elements, the theatrical elements, and the drama elements, and the comedy elements. Uh, I think I've said comedy twice, or in which case, bang, bad Nicholas Parsons. Uh, you need to have them come through as well. If Here's a little lesson for you while you're all watching strictly as we go through this year. Forget about the celebrity names. Write down what style of genre of theatre each song and dances so don't just go charleston with with joe or, or whoever write down comedy drama love gymnastics and you'll see that they're very carefully rationed and very carefully sort of scheduled they're never back to back uh, and they spread throughout the show in this sort of building curve of confidence and that's separate to the the dancers and the names in of course we're all going to be looking to see who's running last in the pip slot, who's running second in the forgettable slot. But in terms of the variety format, there's another game going on there as well. And that game, the dark arts, might be the last five or 10 years of reality television, but the game of putting the show together, hundreds of years old.
0: Yeah, it goes all the way back to probably, you know, outdoor theatre in the
1: Jacobean e. times music hall. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's one of the oldest ways of putting together a show from your disparate
1: talents and and, and you would be surprised and people go really but it works and it's not a, yes it is a cliche but it's it means that it's, a, it's using an unspoken language people can watch strictly for an hour or two and just go i like that and you go why did you like that and most people go i don't know but it's because all those people that know this is the structure you put in have given you that structure and people looking at it go you know what i've seen this for countless years i've seen this on on you know you know the 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 late late breakfast show i've seen it on larry grayson's generation game I, i you tried with big break and you got close with it but if you can remember big break you'll see those comedy interludes coming in in later years this is something that just happens time and time again this is saturday night television as it has been since the 60s it's just got a different spin and a different sequence on it.
0: Yeah, it's just now in full HD with hashtags on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. But you could you could lift this and as I said, put that back in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Yes, you would need to change things like the fashion and the speed of television. Television is much faster nowadays. But every, you know, you, you could sit down with the Parnell and go, what do you think of this? And he would just go, "Yep, yeah, 13 weeks, Saturday night, put it in the Hackney
0: Empire. Ewan, I have a question. You keep saying that comedy is very important in this format. If that's true, why are some of those comedy VTs
1: so bad? I don't think they're bad per se. I, I think it's partly it's a mix of fairness. The BBC wants to give everybody equal screen time, um, especially because there's a competitive development to this show. <clears got <clears to <throat> be fair and, and transparent. transparent. Indeed, yeah. No, got to be fair and give the appearance of transparent. Slight difference. But some people are more adept at comedy than others. Comedy is hard. Yeah, and, and you were asking, for example, the dancers. Um they do have a totally other job difference. to do that isn't
0: yeah. being funny.
1: There's a huge difference be, between, you know, the acting and mugging skills to the camera of Brandon Cole, who's been doing this for 14 years, uh, to somebody like Karen Clifton, um, who has an inability to hide whatever emotion is inside her body. It is going to show on her face all the time. Uh, and when you get her to do a comedy sketch, you know, she doesn't know comedy. You know, she, she, she'll she give it a go. Great, brilliant. Um, but she would rather be waltzing or jiving. Uh, and so so there's sort of disparate levels in the professional dancers. There's naturally disparate levels inside the celebrities. You know, you know Daisy Lowe is going to have a much harder time doing a comedy turn and wink than Leslie Joseph. You know, I, how are you going to believe Danny Mac or Ed Balls, you know, trying to do the four candle sketch from the two Ronnies to, to a waltz? Um, i don't know but i'd love to find out yes i have to say yeah comedy tributes because we're running out of ideas so classic tv sitcoms which would tie in with the BBCs. yeah we should do sitcom
0: week and they can dance to um theme tunes because we've got some absolute crackers and also because the comedy vts are now they started out as just somebody was naturally amusing during a training vt And I think it's sort of escalated from there over the course of the show.
1: And it's it's part of the evolution thing here again, which is the production team have a very punishing schedule. You know, this is a show which has an immensely fast turnaround. It's voracious in its ideas. And the second you've come up with a good idea for something and strictly four or five days later, it's done. You've got to think again on a blank sheet of paper. So there is a turnover of ideas. It's very quick and the other one is you, as somebody who's working on the show you don't want to upset it too much you don't want to be the person that ruined Strictly that week because you know you don't have a job for life at the BBC if you've done a bad job yeah you might get to the end of the run of Strictly but they're going to look at you and go you know all the ideas they had didn't work on screen they tried to be different part, part of the appeal of Strictly is it is safe and identity every week but slightly bigger. And that means your comedy is going to be safe. It's, it's not going to, you know, the thing about comedy in general for me is comedy is all about hurting somebody. Um, it's pointing out hurt, it's creating hurt, or it's sharing hurt. And it's very hard to do that and still keep your sympathies throughout an entire run of a show. So you can't hurt your celebrities. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't be seen to do that. You can't hurt the professional dancers really your only valid targets are the judges and to be fair they are great sports and and they will take it on the chin when needed but you can't do that too much so for me one of the intrinsic rules of comedy you can't touch so you're left with slapstick farce and silly looks and you know in maslow's hierarchy of comedy you know they're very low (laughs) down
0: how how would the bbc sort of know and measure if say you know your hypothetical strictly employee had um made the show
1: go wrong somehow how would they know well everybody's familiar with viewing figures there's actually another figure that sits alongside as well which is called the audience appreciation index the ai score uh and the same people that do the TV viewing figures with the What did you watch? Press the buttons and stuff. They're also asked to say how much how much they enjoyed the show out of a hundred, uh, and that will then get averaged out. Uh, and uh, It takes about a week, and each show gets an, an AI score, uh, which shows just how much out of a hundred you know they, they thought a show would be. Generally, sixty is very good. If you if your show is getting about sixty on an AI. Uh, then you should be happy with that if you're getting up into the 70s and 80s you've got a show that everybody absolutely loved if you start reaching the 40s it gets a bit sticky uh, so if they can come back to to shows and you find out that there's an ai drop uh, and it was when something else was going on from certain births or that you tried a new comedy bit there will be an impact in the AI scores. And then they can go back and they can ask the people who did the surveys why did you not like that show? Could you give us some reasons and stuff? Uh, But the BBC does get a very, very coarse index of what people think of the show and they have the ability to drill down afterwards.
0: And that's when, I don't know, maybe they would focus group something? Yes. Yeah. And so just because you've got that quite coarse measure... And there's not necessarily a correlation between uh, one particular risk that was taken by one particular person, I guess, because, you know, there's always the chance that somebody will pull together a correlation between a drop in AI and a a thing that happened at the same time. You are going to get a slightly risk-averse culture.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, because this is the BBC's biggest show, this is the show that goes across the networks, this is the show where they can reach out to the celebrity culture that that, that permeates um, society and media and drives traffic and drives eyeballs you know, if you didn't have Strictly then, you know, you've got a big pop star every week that's doing a number one single or a new album that's coming out if you don't have Strictly you can't put that big singer there and then, you know I'm sure there's horse training going on, and when somebody goes like, we, "We'd we'd like guest X to go on Graham Norton," and they're like, "Yeah, well, X is on my book, but Y's got a new album out, so I'd really like them to get promotion on this Sunday. So could you do that for? Could you put us on Strictly?" And they're like, mm, "Yeah, maybe we could do that, but you've got somebody doing a book on on your books that we'd like to get on the one show," and. I'm sure that that horse trading is going on backstage strictly is a great big leverage of very few ways to reach out to everybody in the United Kingdom that's watching television at any one time. X-Factory is one, strictly is another. Loose Women, frankly, isn't.
0: So looking at the worst case scenario, if, there's, if nothing happens to shake up a sort of risk averse TV production culture here, what can happen?
1: Do you remember, you know, there's all that great feeling of last year's show was better. That's (gasps) what you get. (laughs) You know, you know, it's just like Bake Off's good. But you see the year Nadia won? That was it. It was all downhill after then. Um, There's, you know, some shows miss that. Faulty Terrors is a good example because, you know, once he'd done 12 episodes, John Cleese went, that's it, no more. Uh, Because he didn't want to get stuck in that rut. Strictly because of the speed, because of the format, because of the everybody wants that comfortable show, runs that risk. Now, it's, it's metered slightly because you're bringing in new celebrities every year, you're changing over the dance partners. So you still have Halloween week, but at the same time, you know, it's the same costumes. It's that once you've got one, one vampire, one zombie, one Frankenstein, you're, you're slowly running out of ATS. Every year, we're off to Blackpool! Um, because they need the studio for children in need. Um, Don't you dare come near Blackpool. Blackpool's a tradition. And here's the thing. Traditions work, but repeated memes fail. You know, so if you go, oh, here's the one where they slag off Craig. Here's here's the here's the celebrity who's a little bit older and funny here's the celebrity who's obviously designed to go out in week one we're already seeing starting to see especially this year that you know it's just like well we need somebody to fit in this box somebody to fit in this box somebody fit in this box and then people will go right well box one goes away in week two box three goes away in week three box seven goes away in week four as if by rote and that's the danger when your show becomes predictable uh, and people start calling out the cliches. That's when it gets into trouble. And Strictly's done really well by, by rotating the cast, in keeping it fresh. And it has to be said here: moving Bruce Forsyth aside and bringing Claudia in changes the, the framework of the show. Absolutely, Even the elements are all still roughly the same. All of a sudden, you have a different show. You have a sense of Danger with Claudia—that you don't know what she's going to do next. You had that with Bruce, but that was because probably because he was very old uh, and didn't like the auto cue. Uh, with Claudia, you get the feeling everything's planned. She's like Dennis the Menace in the front page of the Beano. She knows she's going to do something like this, but she's not going to tell anybody until it's live. And, and her,
0: her big, her big visual gags do you know, they are just as much fun when they don't work as when they do?
1: I wouldn't use the word work or don't work because the gags always work. It's that the joke of the gag doesn't necessarily land. But, te, you know, Tess, half the time I'm sure she doesn't know, Claudia knows that even if the obvious pun doesn't work, the whole framework will still score nine out of ten.
0: Yes, because Claudia is there again as another um, audience substitute. She is now ironic She's, distance building itself into the format of the show.
1: And there we have post retro to go with retro. She is the Asian provocateur, she is the one that's stirring up. You can't ossify if your liquid is constantly in, in broiling interesting physics metaphors <laughs> i've probably used slightly the wrong words um you'll never boil something that's steady um and tess is very very steady but all the keeping all of that moving around you know lens leaving at the end of this season we, it's that's another opportunity it's yeah. a good thing yes um, the obvious thing that people go oh yeah Craig will move up to head judge we'll probably get another older sing- singer and dancer going in there I really think that this is just a completely new head judge Karen because I, I, I don't know my dance enough but I do know that you're scary and have an axe so yes Karen would be a good idea but again it would it would agitate Strictly's format it would agitate everybody around it. People would be going, what is going to be happening next? Mystery is why people keep watching. People will come once for a name. People will come once to see Ed Balls dancing. You wouldn't come a second time to see Ed Balls dancing. I already but feel like I've seen know? too much of Ed Balls dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you come back because strictly as a whole is comfortable. When you have something that is utterly comfortable, but also... Utterly unpredictable in the same breath, we are back to yin and yang. We're back to retro and post retro. We are back to variety hall, television, and moving on. We're back to it's something for the kids, it's something for the teenagers, it's something for the parents, it's something for the grandparents, it's something for the singletons you are glad strictly isn't on Valentine's Day because, oh my God, that would be a terrible episode if you were single with everybody being lovey dovey. We're back to going, What makes this work is you have two things that are constantly contrasting each other.
0: Um, So thank you, Ewan, for coming and talking to us in such um, intense technical detail about what actually makes television
1: work. Indeed, yes. And from the Dunning-Kerger Institute, uh, we thank you very much for listening.
0: I'm Ellie, and you were listening to episode four of the Keep Dancing podcast. If you want to get in touch with us and share your ideas for reality TV formats, or if you've got any questions for our Strictly team, you can email us at keepdancingpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at keepdancingpod, and we've got a Facebook page you can find by searching for the Keep Dancing Podcast. Please join us in the comments. We're also on Tumblr at keepdancingpodcast.tumblr.com. On all of these pages, there'll be a link that, where you can subscribe to our RSS feed, so you'll always get our latest episode. We're also now in the iTunes directory, we'll post links to that too. Thanks for listening. Keep dancing. So you know um you know Ed Balls has a book out. Katya uh, has tweeted about 20 times since she started dancing with him about how much she's enjoying his book. It's all Ed Balls. Oh, he's reading a book. He's writing a book. He's so interesting. Ed Balls buy his book, buy his book, buy his book.